Good evening, church. Good evening, Dan. How are we all doing this evening? Good. It feels weird saying good evening when it's like bright and sunny outside. This is our Australian Christmas for you. Can you imagine? We are just over a week away from Christmas. Yeah. That is mind-blowing. Like, where has this year gone? I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, are, are getting into the Christmas season. Uh, you know, if you are still at work, work is kind of dwindled down a bit. You're thinking more about presents and turkey and ham and Christmas trees and bubbles and Christmas lights. I know my daughter in particular, for some strange reason, has gotten very into the whole Christmas lights idea, <laughs> even though we don't do that in my house very much at all. Uh, but for believers in Jesus Christ, this season has a unique significance. I think we can agree to that. It's more than just the decorations, the feasting, the food, the friends. It's about Jesus, the Son of God, coming into the world. It's about the fact that His birth ushers in new life for those who believe. So this celebration is not just a celebration of a season, it's a celebration of a person, and that person is yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So I can now invite you to stand as we sing, as we celebrate our Lord and Savior together this evening. Give up every breath. Give her up every breath I breathe. Offer of all eternity. Give her up every perfect thing. To you be the glory. Maker of heaven and of earth. No one can comprehend your word. King over all the universe. To you be the glory. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raises dead man's life. It's all because I'm alive. Let's sing that again, church. Give up every breath. Give up every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity. Give up every perfect thing. To you be the glory. Maker of heaven and of earth, no one can comprehend your worth. King over all the universe, to you be the glory. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ That covers me and raises them as life It's all because of Jesus Every sunrise Every sunrise sings your praise The universe cries out your praise Singing freedom all my days now that I'm alive, it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raised this dead man's life. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ and covers me and raises them as life. 
It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. I'm alive. Joy to the world, the Lord. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Because one name holds weight above them. His fame outlasts the earth he formed. His praise resounds beyond the stars and echoes in Shines brighter than the sun. 
Church, the earth. The earth will shake and tremble before Him. Chains will break as heaven and earth sing. Holy is the name, holy is the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The earth, the earth will shake. And tremble before him chains will break as heaven and earth sing. Holy is the name, holy is the name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So lift up your eyes, see the King has come, the light of the world. There is no other name, there is no other name, but Jesus Christ our God. No 
pray together, church. Oh, Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you that you came to this earth. You left your throne in heaven, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. But you humbled yourself to be born in a manger, to be one of us. We thank you, O Lord. We praise you. We glorify your name, that name that is above all other names. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Welcome once again to Subi Church. Before you take a seat, why don't you turn to someone next to you as well and greet them. Give them a really warm handshake. Good evening. My name is Wendy, and this is my wife, Jennifer. Um, in this season of Advent, we have a special scripture reading to bring to you from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 12. Jesus, the Son of God, has entered our world, and the good news of his coming is declared. Luke 2, uh, verses 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. In the previous weeks, we lit two candles, the candles of hope and peace. Today, we light the candle of joy as we rejoice at the good news of Jesus, the Messiah who entered our bro broken world to save us. Thank you, Wendy and Jennifer. As I announced a couple of weeks ago, every Christmas uh, at Subi Church, we have a, uh, a giving campaign for a key ministry gospel initiative. Uh, and uh, over the years, we've supported Compassion. Uh, we've supported the Ukrainian refugee crisis. Uh, this year, uh, what's weighed heavily on the hearts of the Subi Church leadership is that uh, the churches in Australia are not growing. Uh, approximately 3% of Australians are in Bible-believing churches. That's 97% of Australians who are far from God. And so this year, we are supporting an organisation that is striving under God to turn that around. And that organisation is called Reach Australia. Uh, that's what their name is, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to reach Australia and help churches reach Australia. I want to show you a brief video. Hi, I'm Pierre. I'm lead pastor of Central Valley Church. We planted about four and a half years ago an area called Ripley. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's sort of south of Ipswich, west of Brisbane. My name's Paul Young. I'm the planting pastor of Providence Bayswater. Hi, everyone. My name's Marty, and I'm pastor of City North Church, Glenorchy. Uh, it's been really hard reaching the local area here at Providence Bayswater. At the beginning, we pitched a vision and prayed for lots of unchurched people to come to church. That hasn't been the case. The current state of the evangelical churches, in particular in Brisbane and Ipswich, is there is, like everywhere else, just a great need. We need more church plants. We need our current established churches to be healthy. There is a leadership shortage. And the, but yeah, with all that, the harvest is plentiful. We've just had three baptisms and someone I was reading, my entire family actually, reading the gospel with became Christian on Tuesday night, which is incredibly exciting. But that story took a good nine to 12 months and lots of relationships. And so that's probably indicative of how things are going with that unchurched crowd. It's just really long-term kind of work. We have a number of outreach um, ministries that we do, and by that I mean um, we have a number of events that we run. We're about to head into what we call Mission Month in uh, December, and we have a team from Sydney come down to join us, and um, we are just um, infiltrating the suburb with um, show bags, with um, gospel information, events for our church. Um, we've got a kids' ministry program lined up. And uh, so we're about to hit our third um, Hope Month. We do a big advertising campaign and um, yeah, I think, I think it's good. I think it's going well. Uh, so there's a lot of work, but here's my encouragement with all that. And here's why I've been so encouraged by Reach. 
is that God could use what little we have to do so much more than we can imagine. And so for, for, for like both Catherine, my wife and I have been so blessed by the Reach Network because that's exactly what they've done. They've helped equip us and train us. They've poured so much sources into our uh, resources into us in order that we may grow in the ministry that we're doing. Um, not only that, but they sacrifice so much in order that what we do can be done really well. Um, that we aren't just struggling alone. In one sense, it is a network, so I've made incredible friendships with other pastors around, the, around Australia. For me, uh, we could not have done this without um, Reach Australia. At the time, Geneva Push, um, I was um, not sure if I was cut out for church planting. And I just think the program that I was taken through under Scott and Derek was, I, I can't explain how um, helpful it was. Um, and uh, I, I um, felt confident and equipped to go out. And it was a real risk because we, we, my wife and I moved from Sydney to Hobart. We don't have any connections in Hobart. Um, but we came down here to plant this church. It was a huge risk, but I think the risk was mitigated by the support and, and really genuine Christ-centered love that we felt from the REACH team. When people ask me and Beck what the REACH Australia Network has done for us, we normally say one thing, and that's we couldn't have done this without them. They provide us two things, REACH Australia, uh, cohorts and coaches. Cohorts, they provide us with a group of other people, planters, who are going through the same stage as us. We've got to learn the same things, think through the same things. I still contact those guys, they're friends of mine, about what they're doing in their church plant at this current time, and they've been really encouraging, really helpful to get an idea of what's going on. Um, we want to be a REACH Australia church ourselves. We won't have a lot of income, but what we have, we want to be able to set aside some for the planting of another church somewhere in Australia. And whenever we hear a church just planted, um, and you know, across Australia through the REACH program or whatever, um, yeah, we just rejoice with you, yeah. Individually, me and Beck have had a coach for two to three years. They help us work through various issues we're facing, not just in the church, but like personally and relationally and socially. Uh, you know, and they've been such a huge emotional support. That's why we think we couldn't have done it without them. Reach has given us lots of knowledge about things in church and system structures, but it's the godliness of the community and their willingness to help us, which has been an incredible support to me and Beck and our kids that we just think we couldn't have done it without them. And so, there's all those things, but I want to leave you with this, that even though if you were to look at the state of the church in Australia, we could be so disheartened by that reality. But I'm so thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm so thankful for the REACH Network who, who, can, who realize what our sovereign good God can do with little. And we've seen that. And, and so that's been an exciting sort of process for us and exciting being, exciting being able to witness what God has done, uh, not in just in Ripley, but in Australia as well. That's a little snapshot into how Reach Australia is helping churches across Australia, churches that aren't as well resourced as us. So if you feel moved to, uh, to give to Reach Australia and to actually make a difference within, to churches in Australia, we'd love you to prayerfully consider that. You'll see a, a card on your, uh, near, on your chair near, in arm's reach. There's some information there. Uh, and on the back, there's uh, some information about uh, and some... Uh, alternatives to which you might want to choose to give to. Uh, and so I'll leave that with you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor David. Welcome, everyone. Um, we are now going to do the scripture at Subi Ch together. As part of the Subi Church, we memorize Bible verses together each month as a church family. This year, we are focusing on the attributes of God that scripture reveals to us. In the month of December, we are going to focus on God, who is Emmanuel. Our scripture comes from Matthew 1.23, and let's say it together. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well done, church. How wonderful it is to know that God is with us always. 
kids, you're welcome to go to your Subi classes. Thank you. If you're new here and would like your kids to join the classes, you're welcome to register your children at the Subi Kids reception just outside in the foyer. Good evening all, my name is Vash. I'm part of the ministry team here at Subi Church. If you haven't seen it already, um, these are Subi Church's Connect cards. This is a way of staying in touch with Subi Church. If you're needing support, prayer, please feel free to fill it in and, um, it, and fill it in at any point of the service and you can drop it off in the box in the back of the auditorium. You could also scan in a QR, a QR code to submit one, one online. We now come to the offering, which is an important part of our worship to God. We give with joy and thanksgiving to God because of what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. There are a few ways you can participate in this part of our worship. Firstly, you can drop off your offering into the offering box at the back of the auditorium. You could also do an online giving. You will find leaflets with instructions on how to do that in the cubby hole. Let's take a moment to pray together for our offering. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your son Jesus, who came into this world and through him, through whom we have the gift of everlasting life. Thank you for your provision and sustaining us with your word. As we give, we ask for your blessings upon them as they are used for your extension of your kingdom. We also ask godly wisdom over stewardship of funds and may it be effective in reaching those in need of hearing the gospel. Father, I pray that many more will come to know you in Jesus' mighty name, amen. We have some upcoming events to announce this weekend. Firstly, our Christmas services will take place on Christmas Day with two services for the whole family. The normal weekend services will take place on Sunday, the 24th, at 9 a.m. and 10.45. There will be no worship service on, Sat on Saturday, the 23rd of December. Please invite your friends and family along. There are invitation cards on your seat and in the auditorium cubbyhole. Secondly, there will be no Subi kid cl Kids classes on the 24th, 25th, 30th, and the 31st of December. For the month of January next year, there will be Subi Kids at the Sunday 9 a.m. services only. Thirdly, we will be having baptisms on Sunday the 31st of December. And if you're interested in being baptized, please let us know through your Connect card. And lastly, our church office will be closed from the 26th of December and will reopen on the 2nd of January while our ministry team recharges for the new year. It's now time for us to uh, come before the Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts to hear from God's word. Please join me as I lead us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we lift up your name today. May your name be exalted in the heavens. We worship and adore you. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and for setting us free. We are so thankful. Thank you that it is not by works that we are saved, but by your grace. Lord, we pray for our world today. Please help us to see your heart for the world. We pray our brothers for our brothers and sisters who are suffering persecution because of their faith in you. We pray too for those who are suffering through famine, war, and for and a will to stand up for injustice. Sorry. We pray too for those who are suffering through famine, war, and for the many who are displaced and have nowhere to call home. Give governments compassion and a will to stand up for injustice and to end all forms of violence and hostilities. We pray for our own government and those in authority to govern with integrity and truth. Give wisdom and discernment in decisions and laws made for transparency and honesty. Father, we pray for those in our congregation who are sick struggling with financial and family difficulties. Bring healing and release. You are not a distant God, but a God who cares. Your word says that you know us intimately. 
even the number of hairs on our head are known to you. As we come into this Advent season, thank you for the joy and the delight that it brings, for the carol singing, lights, nativity plays, an opportunity to spend time with friends and family and co-workers. We pray for our Christmas services and the many involved in the preparations that hearts will be touched by the message of hope. We pray too as our church hosts the Christmas lunch in our local community that many would hear the gospel. Father, we remember also the many in our congregation who will be traveling during this holiday period, be it overseas or in our state, for safety and protection. We pray that they will be able to enjoy rest and quality time with family. Pray our hearts now, Lord. Pray, prepare our hearts now, Lord, to hear your word from the message presented. We pray for Pastor David. Give him boldness as he preaches and anoints his words. By your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Good evening, church. Our scripture reading today is taken from Matthew, chapter 17, verses 24 to 27. If you are able, I invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons? Or from others? And when he said, from others, Jesus said to him, Then, the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook. Take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shackle. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. You may now take a seat. Who here likes fishing? Yeah, I know Edwin does. I know Andreas. I've been fishing with them. Yeah, others love fishing. Yeah, uh, I, I love fishing with my son, Justin. Uh, we fish off the beach. We fish off the jetty. We fish off rocks. We fish off boats uh, wherever we can. We fish when, when we're on holidays. We fish on the weekends. We fish today. Uh, we fish when Justin's supposed to be at school. <laughs> Did I say that? Um, is this being recorded? Uh, we've caught some good fish over the years. Here's Justin with a, a kingfish off Rotnest. Uh, we've caught some crayfish. Uh, there's a couple of flathead just down at uh, Freshwater. Uh, caught a tuna at Rotnest with uh, Edwin in Edwin's boat. I've caught a shark with, a, with another fish inside the shark's mouth. But I've never caught a fish with a coin inside its mouth, as we've just heard read in our Bible reading. Uh, and I've never had someone tell me, ahead of time, with your first cast, you are going to catch a fish with enough money in it to pay for your taxes. Right? And then it actually happens like they said. That's never happened to me. I would love to go fishing with Jesus. Right? Fishing with Jesus would be next level. You would never come back empty-handed, would you, if you fished with Jesus? Uh, He's got a perfect strike rate. One cast, one fish. Every time you get a cast, you get a fish. And if you fish with Jesus, you can catch a fish with enough money in its mouth to pay for your taxes for the year. Now, this passage is not primarily about fishing, and it's not primarily about taxes. It's about the power and the goodness of Jesus. In what sense? Well, we're going to take a look together. My guess is that you've never heard a sermon on this passage before. Has anyone heard a sermon on this passage? No, I never have either. So this is going to be the best one you've ever heard on this passage. This is the final talk in our series on the power and the goodness of Jesus. And then next week, we're going to turn our attention to the birth of Christ. So if you've got your Bibles in front of you, we're in Matthew chapter 17, verse 24, and uh, the text will be behind me as well. 
after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum. So Capernaum, if you remember, is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's a fishing village, not surprising. It's about 1,500 people who lived there, and they're mainly a Jewish population. And Capernaum was the home of four of Jesus' disciples, the two sets of brothers, Simon, also called Peter, Peter and Andrew, and then James and John. And fishing provided their families their living on the Sea of Galilee. The Gospel writer Matthew in chapter 8 tells us that Peter had a home in Capernaum and you can actually go and see Peter's home today if your trip is not cancelled. You can go there right? and you can see, you see there, Peter's home. They've actually built a church over his home uh, and uh, it's been identified and verified by archaeological excavation that that's Peter's home. Now, Capernaum became Jesus' ministry headquarters, his home base, and this was his last visit before his death and resurrection, which are only days away, which gives us a clue, I think, to the meaning of this event. We read that the collectors, oh, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter. You're probably thinking, as I was, what is the temple tax? Uh, the Jewish priests had instituted a voluntary annual tax for Jewish males over the age of 20, and it was for the upkeep of the temple. Now, it wasn't enforceable under Roman law, and so the priests couldn't make it compulsory. However, the priests considered it a violation of tradition if you didn't, didn't pay it. It was a, a, a temple guilt tax. And there was pressure to pay this tax. And we read that the tax was a two drachma tax, which was the standard unit of silver coinage in the ancient Greek territories and was roughly equivalent to a day's wage. So if you do the maths, two drachmas, that's two days' wages. But the official currency of the temple was the shekel. That was the official currency the priests demanded that the tax be paid in the shekel. Do you know why? Because the shekel was made of 94% silver and the drachma was made of only 80% silver. And so you had to change your drachma into a shekel to pay the tax. Two drachma was equivalent to half a shekel. And as we heard in our Bible reading, if you had, if you were, uh, if you had your ears pricked, if you had your ears ready to hear, it was the shekel that was found in the fish's mouth, which was uh, the currency of choice for the tax, and it covered two people's tax. So Peter arrives in the town, and then the tax, the tax collectors pounce on him. That's their job. It's likely they, were, they pounce on him because they were, I think they were on the lookout for Peter. Part of the plan of Jesus' enemies was to try and expose Jesus as breaching his Jewish obligations. And so they're pouncing on Peter. And this is the only gospel account in uh, all of the gospels. This is the only, in Matthew's gospels, the only one that has this story. And I think it's because Matthew, what was he before he was a disciple? A tax collector, that's right. And so I think he's got a particular interest in this story. The tax collectors asked Peter, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax. The inquiry was really about patriotism. They're saying, is your rabbi a patriotic teacher? Does he love the temple of God? Or does he perhaps have sympathies with the zealots who are a Jewish nationalist group who refuse to pay the temple tax because uh, uh, they refuse to pay it as long as the holy city was full of Romans occupying. They wouldn't pay the tax. Would Jesus pay the tax? Now, Jesus has done nothing to cause anyone to doubt his obedience of the Jewish law on this issue. But if you remember in the Gospels, he has explicitly put himself above the temple, remember, when he said, one greater than the temple is here. And so the tax collectors interrogate him. Peter, does your master pay the tax? 
Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, says Peter. Now, put on the spot, in typical Peter fashion, he just kind of answers impulsively without thinking, and he blurts out, yes, in order to defend the reputation of Jesus, but without consulting Jesus. And when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. Now, Jesus knows what Peter has said. Supernaturally, he knows what Peter has said. Matthew again and again emphasizes Jesus' omniscience. He knows all things. And Jesus decides to use this incident as a teaching opportunity for Peter, Simon Peter. What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax, from their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Jesus is making a point about his true identity. Peter, who pays taxes to kings? To sons or to subjects? The answer, subjects do, sons do not. Kings do not tax their sons, do they? They tax their subjects. And so just as royal sons are exempt from the taxes imposed by their fathers, so too Jesus, who is God's true son, is exempt from paying the tax to his father's house. So when Peter answered yes to the question, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax, he was making Jesus a subject to his father like everyone else, but Jesus is not a subject to his father, he is the son of the father and therefore doesn't have to pay the tax. But, he says, so that we may not cause offence. Even though Jesus is exempt from paying this temple tax, not paying the tax might be offensive because it, it might portray him as being unpatriotic, as not loving the temple. Now, Jesus doesn't mind causing offence, does he? he? Remember when he throws the money changers out of the temple because of their exorbitant exchange rates? He, he doesn't mind causing offence with the truth, but he doesn't seek to cause offence unnecessarily. And here, he relinquishes his rights in order to not cause offence, and so he pays the tax. There's a striking blend of humility and power in Jesus, isn't there? He's being hounded to pay a temple tax that he, of all people, does not need to pay, for he is the Son of God, and still he's concerned about not causing offence. Jesus, the Son of God, has the right to not pay the tax, but he gives up that right. He then demonstrates he's the true Son of God in the way that he pays it. And it's the way that he pays it that kind of captures our imagination, isn't it? Jesus sources the money from elsewhere in order to reinforce that this was a tax that he was not obligated to pay. Go to the lake and throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a shekel coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Wow. That is an incredible Miracles, incredible event. Fishing with Jesus would be next level. You would never come back empty-handed. He's got a perfect strike rate. Every time you throw a, your line out, you catch a fish. This is the only place in the New Testament where a fish is caught by a hook. Normally they use nets. But Peter only needs one hook and doesn't need a net as Jesus supernaturally brings the fish to the hook. Uh, there was an article in the English newspaper, The Sun, uh, and it told a story about a couple called Christopher and Sandra who were fishing in England. Uh, they had a good load of fish that they caught, and then they threw most of them, of them away, but they, caught, they took two back for dinner. And Christopher says... He says, I've never been that good at gutting the fish, so I always pass it on to Sandra to do the gutting. She doesn't mind. That's when I heard a squeal and turned around to see Sandra beaming with glee, holding something that she found in the fish. A diamond ring. 
He said, I didn't put the, the, fish, the ring in the fish. It wasn't like a, you know, one of those engagement stunts. But, so I can only assume the fish had swallowed it. But I had wanted to propose for a while. <laughs> but it just turns out I needed a little nudge from a guild friend to get the courage. So Christopher popped the question right then and there. And he waited with bated breath for an answer. And Sandra fell for him, hook, line and sinker. <laughs> now, Christopher said that he intended to go out and buy a ring when Sandra was next at work. But instead, they used the one found in the fish after they gave it a good clean. Now, it's one thing to find a ring in a fish by sheer chance, and you don't even find out until you get home. That's one thing. It's quite another to divinely orchestrate, as Jesus did, the catching of a fish with one cast that has in its mouth the exact amount to pay the tax that you've just been asked for. That's quite another. So Jesus divinely superintended a person to carry a shekel to the Sea of Galilee for that coin to fall from that person's possession, for that coin to find its way to the depth of the sea. He then orchestrated a fish to come across the coin and swallow it and then swim past at the exact time that Peter throws out his first cast and then for that fish to latch onto the hook. Jesus orchestrated the whole thing. And this miraculous way of paying the tax is something that only Jesus, the Son of God, could do. The one who can stop the wildest storms can also control the exact path of a little fish. Jesus is in complete control of all events. Even to the degree that he controls when a fish bites onto a hook. Jesus' miracles are signs. And what do, what do signs do? They point to something beyond themselves, something that's significant. So what's this sign pointing to? Jesus doesn't do miracles just for personal ends. He didn't resort to a miracle to pay the tax because he didn't have any money. Jesus is pointing to his unique sonship. He is the unique son of God. And because he's a unique son of God, right, he doesn't have to pay the temple tax. And if there was any doubt about whether he is the son of God who doesn't have to pay the tax, this miracle points to that reality. Jesus is omniscient. He knows all things. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. The sovereign power that orchestrated the star in the sky on the first Christmas to bring the Magi to Bethlehem, that same power is in Jesus. The sovereign power that orchestrated the Roman Empire to hold the census at the exact time that was required to get a virgin to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy, that same power is in Jesus Christ. King Jesus is sovereignly in control of everything in the universe. Do you believe that? In Hebrews, the author says this, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. If Jesus stopped holding the universe together for even a nanosecond, every chemical bond in your body Every chemical bond in the universe would unravel and fly apart and you would explode and the universe would explode. And the only reason that doesn't happen is because Jesus, the Son of God, is holding the universe together. Now, if I'm Peter at this moment, uh, I've got to be thinking, hey, Jesus, a shekel, that's really cool, four days' wage, you paid for the tax, that's really cool. But you know there's another coin called a talent and that's worth 20 years of wages. It would fit in a fish's mouth just as easily. You could have given me one of those, right? But this is so often how God works. He gives us what we need, not what we think we need. So many times I've heard of Christians being provided for by God to the very penny. I want to share with you a story about a, a long-time missionary to Central Africa by the name of... Helen 
Rose Veer, and she tells this story. She says, a mother at our mission station died after giving birth to her premature baby. And she said, our incubator had broken, so we tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, but the only hot water bottle we had was beyond repair. So we asked the children to pray for the baby and for her sister. And so one of the the girls at the mission station, she prayed, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't be so lonely. That afternoon, a large package arrived from England. As they opened the package, they couldn't believe their eyes. Under some clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig through the rest of the box. She said, if God sent that, I'm sure he also sent a doll. And she was right. There it was. Five months earlier, God had led a ladies' group to include both the hot water bottle and the doll in the box and sent it to this mission station. God is in control of all things to the very detail. Jesus is in control of all things, even to the extent that he will determine when a fish bites onto a hook. I want to finish with this. This is what I think the story is pointing to. Jesus was the son of God who did not have to pay the temple tax. But Jesus pays what he did not owe so that Peter did not have to pay what he owed. This incident is only days before Jesus' death. And it's meant to point us to the cross. At the cross, Jesus pays an unthinkable debt. Jesus, the Son of God, pays the debt of sin that he did not owe so that you and I do not have to pay the debt that we do owe. And if you thought the way that Jesus paid the tax was extraordinary... The way that he paid for your sin and my sin was off the scale extraordinary. Because on the cross, Jesus, again, as he did in that incident, again, he waives his rights as the Son of God and he becomes a subject of God, a subject to God's wrath. The Son, who had never sinned, takes the full offence of our sins Upon himself. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. That's what he does. He pays it all. Peter later writes in his letter, the same Peter from the story, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold. I wonder if he's got in mind that incident with the fish. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus, the Son of God, paid it all. And because he paid it all, we too are sons and daughters of God through him. Jesus said in this story, the sons and daughters are free. And because of Christ's death, we are now sons and daughters. We do not have to pay our debt to God. Jesus has bought us at a price, the price of his life. Jesus is powerful and he's good. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this story. A remarkable story of providing miraculously, but pointing to your sonship, the unique sonship of God. Lord, we acknowledge that you are in control of all things, even to the extent of bringing a fish to a hook. You are in control of all things. And Lord, we bow before you. We acknowledge that you are in control. We are not. And we give ourselves over to you, Lord, and we ask that you would guide our lives, that you would superintend our lives to go where you want them to go. And Father, we thank you that in this story, Jesus paid it all. We thank you that at the cross, Jesus paid it all. 
And we thank you that because of the cross, we are now sons and daughters of the Father and that we are free and we are debt-free. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask the helpers to come down for the Lord's Supper. We're going to take the bread and we're going to take the cup and we're going to remember that we are debt-free because you and I are now sons and daughters of God because of Jesus. And sons and daughters of God do not pay the debt. Our debt has been paid. We do not pay. Jesus has paid it all. Let's come before the Lord and I'll give you a moment just to bring your confession before the Lord right now. Father, we know that you are all-knowing. We know that you know what we have done this week that hasn't pleased you. We just want to confess those things to you right now. We are sorry for them. We thank you that you were willing to give up your rights as a son of God to pay for our sins. And as we take the bread and as we take the cup, We acknowledge that we are now your children and we never have to pay for our sins and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. After front for you rose to stand. Come and take the bread, take the cup. Hold on to them. We'll take them together in a few moments and if you'd like, when you get back to your chair, spend a few moments with the Lord. There is no payment for our sin left outstanding. Jesus has paid it all. Because of Jesus' death, we too are sons and daughters of the living God. Can I invite you to stand as we sing our final song? I hear the Saviour say, 
Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Please take a seat for just a moment. We just have a couple of minutes up our sleeve. It's a short passage, therefore a short sermon. So, uh, but I'd like to invite Kanina Adan up onto stage. Uh, you'll recognise Kanina. Uh, Kanina has just been appointed as our new worship director here at Subi Church. And we're very thankful for that. So you'll recognise Jeremy. Jeremy uh, was our music director director and uh, Kanina was our service director. Jeremy, as you would have uh, was announced a few weeks ago, is stepping down from that role uh, and so uh, Kanina will be combining the two roles and uh, so she'll be the worship director. Uh, just to let you know what she does, um, it's quite a, quite a lengthy uh, set of things that she does. So uh, let me tell you, so she works with the church leadership to provide liturgical and creative direction over the weekend services. She directs and coordinates service-related volunteers each week, so everything that happens in the worship services. Uh, she directs and coordinates the music and the audiovisual team and provides administrative support to all the teams. So she'll be doing that, and so we are going to have the official, the official handover. <laughs> <laughs> that was rude. 
No mouth organ no. Or, or banjo? Okay, well, um, so I'd like to invite the elders, uh, staff, whoever else would like to come and pray for Kanina. I'm going to thank Jeremy, uh, and then we're going to pray for Kanina. So if you'd like to come up, um, we're going to pray for Kanina. I ask Maya to come up and a few others. Thank you. There's Iron. Um, Jeremy, thank you so much for all your work that you have done. Uh, we've really um, been blessed by uh, your direction that you've led the church in, and uh, we uh, just thank you. Um, Jeremy's got, still got Christmas to do, so you haven't, you're not off the hook yet, but we want to thank Jeremy for all his work. Thank you. So I'm going to lead us in prayer for Kanina. Father in heaven, we do thank you for our dear sister Kanina. We thank you for her giftings in uh, the area of music and her creativity. Uh, we thank you for her heart for you and for her desire to see those in the church be worshipful. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'd wrap her in your arms, that you would guide her and superintend her work here at Subi Church. And we just pray that you would give her uh, the, uh, the competency, the, the creativity to, to uh, lead us in this really important ministry of worship direction. And so I ask, Lord, that you would bless her and we commission her right now um, for, her, uh, for the next season of her life here at Subi Church. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just stay up here while I do the benediction. Let's please stand. Father, I do pray for every precious person here tonight that they would go home with the confidence that you have paid it all through your son, the Lord Jesus, and that we are now your sons and daughters. And I pray, Lord, that, that, that might fill us with great joy. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. Not next Saturday because there'll be no one here, but next Sunday or Monday.